Hi, Nick here from Pods with Nick and James. Just a quick one before we get into this podcast. I want to say a massive thank you for the uh, support that we've received since starting these podcasts. We thoroughly enjoy it and we look forward to creating more. If you want to have your say on any topics that we've discussed or suggest future topics, then you can do so at www.reddit.com slash r slash Nick and James Pods. And if you want to support us, you can do so for uh, from as little as £1 a month. And you can do that at www.patreon.com slash pods with Nick and James. Anyway, back to the podcast. Hello and welcome back to Pods with Nick and James. My name's Nick and this is James. Hi there. Um, The topic today is one that sits quite close to my heart. It's actually um, something that I've been trying to build up to um, on this podcast um, because there are many things in this world that I feel we don't question enough, which is a lot of the reason why we got into doing the podcast. This one this is something that I don't think anybody questions enough. I think too many people take this topic for granted. Um, and this is the topic of human history. Now, um, I think we I, I touched over a couple of points with you in um, conversation before the like after the end of the last podcast, didn't I, James? And uh, like. There's a lot of things that I think people just take for granted and don't really question. And yet, when you really think about it, they don't really make a lot of sense in human history. Um, and even though I was just throwing pictures at you and like little little things, you did kind of. I think you, I'm defending myself here. Like you kind of got it, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, I got where you were you were coming from. Like the formation, the things you were showing of the formation of the land like are at a point where I'm trying to think of the right the right wording here like what you were suggesting even though it sound sounded big and possibly uh out there could easily be seen in the formations that you were t- like more so than the the classic narratives that we're given. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I on that on that note, let's start with the classic narrative, shall we? So, I want to go over what mainstream historians say about human history. Okay. Um, do you know? Where like the earliest human fossils that have been found on the planet? Do you know how old they are? Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna take a guess here. Is it twelve thousand years? Because 12... we've spoken a little bit about this before. 12,000 years. Yeah. So the earliest 
human fossils um, dating date back two million years. Okay. All right. Now, bear in mind that human form has taken on many different um, shapes. And obviously the human brain has developed differently over the past two million years. Um, and with that in mind, how old do you think the evolved form that we take on now is? Damn it, I kind of misunderstood the question, so that's why I went with twelve thousand. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say twelve thousand again mm -hmm. based on mm, oh two million. Okay, I, the annoying thing is I've got different sources which give me different information. Uh, there's a really book, there's a really good book um, called Sapiens, uh -huh. uh, which covers some of this. Unfortunately, it covers a breadth of human history as well. Yeah. Which means that I've forgotten this little bit, but I know I have read it at some point. Okay, um... So if if it was two million for what you could consider to be a human being, yeah. let's say, and if we're going by um, modern carbon dated evidence, like so by the what scientists agree these bones are this old based on the carbon dating yeah. systems. I know there's three separate carbon dating systems. I don't know what they are though. I'm really sorry. I should know more about that. Right. Sorry. Short answer. No, I'm going to change my answer. Right. You know what? Let's just go completely off the wall here. 200,000. Okay. Okay. Really good. 300,000 years ago, we yes. evolved into okay. the form that we right. are today. Really good for reconsidering there. Um, mm. Yeah. So, and this is kind of where I start to I start to struggle with with human history, right? Um, so humans lived as hunter gatherers, right? Um, during that period, three hundred thousand years to the point where civilization began. Now, do you know what enabled civilization and step allowed us to step away from being hunter gatherers? Right. So. Would it be so? Uh, so again, I'm going by the book *Sapiens* here, unfortunately. Which uh, you know what? I'm going to look that up in a minute because I probably should give the name of the person um, who wrote it. Uh, but I'm going to say it was the cognitive revolution that caused us to step away from being uh, from being animals. Uh, it's by by somebody called the book uh, that. I've read some of this on uh, is by uh, a person called Yovel Noah Harari uh, is the book that I'm referencing here but he was saying that it's the cognitive revolution it's the ability to think uh, and to use um, understanding or to use uh, to use complex communication, which required requires vocal cords, but all animals can make a huge number of different sounds. So it, I'd say it's that. Would, would is do you have a different answer? What am I or am I barking up yeah, the wrong tree? I can here? see where you're coming from. So yeah, definitely there was a cognitive change. Um, 
essentially something significant needed to happen in order to enable um, civilization to stop having to follow the food. And that was agriculture. Damn it. It was the yeah. agricultural revolution. Mm. Yeah. So, obviously before that, hunter-gatherers would follow the food. Um, and it makes complete sense, of course you would. You would go with the herds in order to follow the sustainability of your, your, your tribe, you know. Um, now, do you know when historians say that civilization began? So when when we um, begun, sorry for punching the microphone, when we begun um, the agri agricultural revolution? Was that 12,000? I don't know why I've got this 12,000 in my mind. That's a good number, but um, we'll, I'll, I'll explain that number in a minute. Um, it was 4,000 BC, so we're looking 6,000 years ago. Right? That's what mainstream historians say. Okay? Mainstream historians mm -hmm. say that the civilization began in a little old place called Mesopotamia in 6,000 years ago, in 4,000 BC. And is uh, Mesopotamia, is that modern-day Iraq? Yep, that's Sumeria. Yep. Um, okay. And just to confirm, is this the land of King Sargon? Yes, it was. <laughs> okay, great. No, sorry. Just just going to double-check that. All right, great. Yeah, yeah, he keeps popping back up, doesn't he? Um, I, sorry, it's an amazing name. It's fun to say. I'm going to keep saying it. I apologize, listeners. It's all right, because I was bringing it up later anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, now, with that in mind, bear in mind, so let's recap, okay? Humans have been on the planet for two million years, all right? And we eventually evolved into the form that you see today, 300,000 years ago, right? And then we spend the next 294,000 years banging our heads against brick walls until eventually somebody goes, you know what, somebody should probably build a house and voila 6,000 years ago we start building houses um, with that in mind do you know what's the most likely end to human civilization uh, is it overpopulation or is it uh, just mutually assured destruction uh, I mean I don't think humans have got a say in it. That's the most amazing thing about it. I think the most assured and likely cause to the end of human civilization is completely out of human control. Are you thinking asteroids? Space debris. That... Yeah, exactly. It's happened before. It's wiped out entire populace of dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, and it's been theorized... Um, that there's been many cataclysmic impacts of space debris, um, and these are these this is things that we can we can look at in um, like the rock walls of the Grand Canyon. You can see um, mass extinction events um, in the dirt layers. You can also see massive extinction events in the core samples from Greenland. So it's not it's not out there to consider that the end of human civilization would come through space debris. Yeah? I call it space debris because it, 
asteroids, comets, meteors, whatever you want to call them. It could be anything. Um, and do you know when the last extinction event was? Was it the 65 million years ago one which wiped out the dinosaurs? No. No, it was at the end of, a, of the uh, Younger Dryas, and that was 12,000 BC, 14,000 years ago. Shit. Yeah. Um, at the end of the Younger Dryas, basically we come to the end of the Ice Age, and there was a sudden warming of the planet that caused the ice sheets to melt away, um, caused ex like extensive flooding, um, monumental effect monumentally affected the land um, um, for example in Washington yeah um, there's a place called the Scablands have you ever heard of it no I've heard of the salt flats which unfortunately is where my mind went to when you said the Scablands but uh... so the Scablands is a really interesting place if you look at it from like Google Earth right you can see evidence of immense water damage and I'm not talking like a little trickle that's broken into a flood and I'm talking immense singular impact and the way you can see this is what you what you call land ripples um, if you look at you know when you go to the beach right and the, the tide's gone out the the, the sand kind of looks like um, almost like waves, almost like ripples, yeah? Where, mm. like, it's kind of ended up ending in these ebbs, yeah? Um, and you can see this, and you can tell how much water went across the land in how deep the ebbs and flows are on the land. Um, so, I mean, Randall Carlson is somebody who studied this for a hundred, like, for, not a hundred, you know, <laughs> he studied this for decades, and he is literally... He can explain it in a way that I can't. So if you want a better explanation of the scablands and what it all means, um, then go and seek him out. But he can ex he 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 says that um, it's evidence of incredible amounts of water being pushed across um, the the Washington Flats. Now there's also somewhere else on the planet, which I think I covered with you at the end of the last podcast, that also shows immense um, water damage. Um, and it's interesting to know that this specific place um, looked um, incredibly different 14,000 years ago than what we see it today. And that, of course, is the Sahara Desert. Um, so the Sahara Desert is now obviously a barren wasteland. Um, but you can see if you look at that once again if you look at it from Google Earth you can see in satellite images um, the evidence of it being washed from the Mediterranean Sea out towards the Atlantic Ocean right um, and the amount of water that would have been needed to have taken it from the lush green um, almost like fertile farmland that it was to what we see today would have been an immense amount of water and that came 14,000 years ago okay um, now this is where you have to start thinking okay if that amount of water was able to eradicate that amount of land 
14,000 years ago. How big was that cataclysm? And what effect would it have had on the existence of humanity um, at the time? Okay. Now, flood myths are everywhere. Every society's got them. Um, in the Bible, you've got Noah's great flood, uh, 2,600 years ago, 500 BCE. Um, the Indic people have got the Manu flood, and that was likewise 500 BCE. Um, the Greek floods from Hesiod's Theogony, they were 600 to 700 BCE. Um, the Zoroastrians, um, Yima's flood was 1100 BCE. Um, the Epic of Gilgamesh, um, an Akkadian, um, Sumerian, Mesopotamian um, king, the uh, floods of Gilgamesh. Uh, that was 1900 BCE. Um, there are even ones that we haven't got a date for that are documented. For example, the Aborigines of Lake, Lake Tyre have their flood myth. Um, and of course, the Norse have got their Ymir flood, um, which is also undateable. Um, so flood myths exist all over the planet. right? And as we know, or as we've discussed, um, asteroid an asteroid impact into the ocean would cause a tidal wave which could be as high as a mile high to travel around the globe. That mile high wave of water would strip everything away down to the bedrock and leave nothing behind. Which is why I always lean towards needing to rethink human history because it's so easy for it to go from what we see today to all of a sudden nothing. Okay, um, so we've we've discussed the, the the effects of floods. Yeah, um, obviously we can we know that an entire civilization could be wiped out through one of these floods, which could be started by an asteroid impact. We know that asteroid impacts happen all the time, so it's not unreasonable to consider that human history itself has reset. Yeah? Mm. That leads you down the road of thinking, okay, let's look at what we can see in the world. Okay? Um, now, there's not there's lots of things in human history that we kind of take for granted, um, but one of the things that I think has been um, watched for a very long time is the stars, right? It even gave birth to like one of the earliest religions in the zodiac, right? Um, and the stars were the way of telling what part of what what kind of behaviors you could expect around the planet right um so have you ever heard of the procession of the equinoxes no i i know what an equinox is uh so for the sake of not looking entirely uh ig ignorant you have two solstices a year and two equinoxes a year mm -hmm. uh, the solstice is either where the day is at its longest and therefore the sun is at its highest or 
when it is the opposite of that, when it is at its lowest. The equinox is the point be perfectly between the summer and winter solstice, so it's at the time when things are perfectly in the middle. Again, as this is a cycle going from one to the other, there are two equinoxes, so two solstices, two equinoxes. Yeah. Uh, always going solstice, equinox, solstice, equinox. Yep. So, to explain the procession of the equinoxes, if you think about, you know how the zodiac is essentially like a, a clock in the sky, right? If you look at the wheel of the zodiac, you can see the constellations of the zodiac in a circle in the sky, okay? Um, do you know the Earth rotates? You know the ro Earth rotates on its axis, and you know that this axis is slightly well. It's not straight, is it? It's slightly, slightly circular. So it's, it ends it's up like rotating. twenty. It's twenty-eight degrees or something along those lines. Yeah, um, and that yeah. in itself rotates. So this is how you end up with this procession of the equinox, where north points to a different point in the zodiac. Um, for a specific number of years, um, namely about 1,900 to 2,100 years, okay? And it will go through systematically each of the signs of the zodiac, but it goes through backwards, which is why you call it the procession of the, the equinoxes, right? Um, do you know which, which sign of the zodiac we're currently in? Because, again... We've covered this very briefly in some of our other conversations, so I apologise uh, for using some of this insider knowledge here, Nick, but uh, I believe you've said in the past that we are at the beginning of the Age of Aquarius. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? and they made a whole song about it, that's how, that's how happy they were. Um, if yeah, you get that reference, straight. amazing people. <laughs> now, um, I want to just say to the viewers, obviously I've discussed this with you, but I want to just talk through the relevance of these ages and how we see them in certain parts of society that we don't necessarily acknowledge. For example, um, previous to the age of Aquarius is the age of Pisces. Now, um, the symbol for Christianity the last 2,000 years is the fish. Okay? Um, I don't want to just say, okay, that proves my point. Like, Jesus himself was a fisherman, right? But his dad was a carpenter, so it doesn't make sense that he would just be a fisherman. There has to be significance to that, right? If you look at, if you look at um, the Bible, um, when Jesus is asked, how long will you be with us? He says, I will be with you until the end of the age. And when they say, when his disciples say, oh, how will we know when the end of the age is? He says, well, you'll know because you'll see a man bearing a pitcher of water. He will go into a house, follow him there. Um, and that's, that's foreshadowing the beginning of the age of Aquarius. So, of course, Jesus' symbol being, the, being the, the symbol of Pisces, all he's saying is, like the age of Pisces will be with you for the next 2,000 years until the age of Aquarius, and that's the reality of it. Now, we could stop there and go, okay, well that proves Pisces and Aquarius, but let's look further back. What came before? What came before Jesus? I mean, I I'll, I'll follow this to a point, but I will also admit that I know that 
there's another version of the quote that you've said, and I don't know if it's from one of the other Gospels, but it's like, how will we know to when these things will take? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and dates that the Father has set by its own authority. But we'll we'll go with the 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 water jug thing. Additionally, Paul went out of his way on several occasions to try at least and say that well I I believe they're different, but I will admit I can understand there is stuff there. There is stuff there which is uncomfortably close to to the two things. Like what I will the two thousand year thing is is concerning and it when it comes to the bloke with the water jug do you believe that a mass flood is imminent is that what is that where you're beginning to to lead us there no i don't i don't know i don't know i know that um there's the perseids meteor shower that happens every year which is the remnants of a massive asteroid um and this time 14,000 years ago there was a impact on the planet as we went through the Perseids meteor shower um, we know this because of um, there's carbon dating from around the time there's a mass extinction event but there's also somewhere on the planet where it's actually documented um, that this happened um, which we'll get to a bit later um, but I don't want to. I'm not foreshadowing anything. I'm not a prophet. I don't. I. I don't have the knowledge. And let's face it. I was around at 2012, um, December 21st, 2012, when the Mayan calendar ended, and everybody was adamant. I say everybody, like the the the, the crazy conspiracy people that I hung around with at the time were adamant it was the end of the world. They even had an end of the world party where they spunk their entire wages. I was one of the sensible people that went, yeah. But I'm not going to spend my money because there's a good chance I'm going to wake up tomorrow and have to go back to work and have bills to pay. Um, so I've been around these prophecies of end of the world and whatever else. Like I'm just, it's about being aware more than anything. Aware that um, these things have happened. I'm not looking at the future. I'm looking at the past. I'm looking at. You have to know where you've been to know where you're going, which is what I keep saying to people. They're like, "Well, what, you can't you can't prove that this happened or this didn't happen." No, absolutely. But I do know. I know in my heart that the the the, the history that we're taught about humans is wrong, and it's wrong at a point to a point where we need to really consider um, how we approach history and what we think of ourselves there's almost an arrogance about humanity where we're like we are the smartest we've ever been and we're never gonna we, nobody ever has come before that has been smarter well there's a lot of evidence that points to the fact that that's not true that is not true and that arrogance is blinding like people I mean, were I, smarter I, and I, they I'll, still died i'll freely think that people were smarter, but would you honestly say that they were more technologically, technologically advanced? Like I'll freely believe, yes. like the, for example, yes, absolutely, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, yep, a lot smarter than even the people on the quiz team by the t window who win every week. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, I'll freely admit, like, genius is not 
a new invention. No. There has always been one per one person or two people or a group of people who have moved things forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, however, when it comes to... I, I realise there are ancient stories and there is the idea of magic being... Or one narrative that could quite easily be put forward is the idea of magic or secret arts or anything along those lines simply being the remnant of the last cycle, if you will. Because if uh, if you're saying that uh, humanity has repeatedly become advanced... It's or, reset, sorry, yeah. It's reset. Yeah, reset by a mass, mass extinction event and then has advanced... And what you're suggesting is is that where we currently are is simply the most advanced that we've been since, since the last reason. the last mass extinction event. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I'm saying. Um, okay. And I think there's evidence that points that that almost backs that up. And I'll come to that. Um, I think it's really important to understand. Um, the timelines that have been imposed and where they've come from. Now, historians themselves, I'm sure there's a level of innocence. They want to give, it's like science. Science love to give explanations for things and they have to give an explanation for something. They can't just say, oh. Um, yeah, you, you, you can't just, yeah, if you're a scientist, you can't do the classic shrug your shoulders and hold your hands up because it's your job to find the answers. Like, I think it's okay for you to hold your finger out and say, I'm working on it. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the smarter thing to do, if I'm honest. Like, the, the pride comes before a fall, and how many people have fallen because somebody else has proven down the line that they were wrong? Um, because they needed to give an explanation at the time. They needed to be right at the time. And what it does is it leads people the wrong way when investigating or developing on knowledge. Um, like knowledge is precious, and in order to continue human evolution um, and to continue advancing, we need to know that what what knowledge we have is sound. Because otherwise, what are you developing on? All you're doing is you're just polishing out the dust and the dirt that was left by generations before. And that comes, that, that dust and that dirt, that comes out of arrogance, nothing more. Yeah, it comes out of a need to be right, a need to explain. And, you know, there's no need to actually have all <coughs> the answers. Tell us what you do know, and then we'll go and develop on that. We'll investigate more, we're younger. When you've had your time, you'll go but will develop on your knowledge, so your legacy will remain. As long as what you leave is sound knowledge. Yeah? Otherwise, we'll rub out your legacy too, because eventually we will work out sound knowledge that will just eradicate your legacy. Yeah? Um, so let's go back 14,000 years, right? 14,000 years ago, an asteroid hit, and we know this because um, of a place on the planet which was discovered um, about 
50 years ago, in about 1950 I think it was, it was discovered in Turkey, um, and it has done many things, it's done many many things, this, this discovery in Turkey has um, already made historians have to rethink the start of civilization, the birth of agriculture, and it's even put a timestamp on when this asteroid impact happened. Um, and it, it's a place called Gobekli Tepe. And essentially, if you think about Stonehenge, yeah. these massive stone pillars, Gobekli Tepe is Stonehenge's grandfather. Um, it was built 11,000 years ago. Um, and all they've uncovered of it at the moment is about 20%. The other 80% is still underground. It's still massive. But in one of these chambers, specifically, um, there's an upright stone with a star chart on it, which depicts when this asteroid happened. This asteroid impact happened 14,000 years ago. Almost like they went, shit. We need to actually we need to actually log this as like a, a an event that happened. And you know what's really interesting about Gobekli Tepe is the fact that it it wasn't abandoned. It wasn't sacked and the people were killed and it was lost to the ages that way. It was buried. Oh, purposefully. Purposefully buried. So that that mm. knowledge couldn't be destroyed. It would be saved. Um... Now that that resonates with me. That that really sits in a in a high place because people actually wanted to protect the that knowledge, knowledge itself. Yeah, and I think the fact that they I mean there's so much that's stored under the ground, um, which eventually they will um, dig up and investigate further. And there might be a million other accounts of of asteroid impacts. What might date back? Might date back incredible amounts of years. Um, the fact is, somebody was around 14,000 years ago to witness this impact, and 3,000 years after it. that, they recorded it on stone to make sure that it wasn't lost. So mm. let's reconsider what we know about the beginning. Sorry, I've got a bit of wind, being all professional stuff. Let's reconsider what we know about human history okay and let's just look at it a bit skeptical this is the thing this is the thing about when you look back you need to just kind of look between the lines because what you're not going to find is you're not going to find glaringly obvious fact because if it was glaringly obvious that would be the truth that we follow already but it is there okay um so let's start talking about hypothetical or not even let's go theoretical let's go theoretical um, scenarios all right but let's look at what um, mainstream scientists say about them and let's look at where they don't make sense okay so let's look at let's look at the Aborigines in Australia okay um, I will admit I'm a massive fan of uh... Uh, it's going to sound even the name itself seems to condescend itself, but uh, Aborigines Dreamtime. Uh, the yeah. stories are are interesting. I also like Aboriginal's culture in that it is very community based, yeah. uh, very friendly, uh, very open. Uh, I love that 
Governor Philip, the first governor of Australia, even himself, uh, despite being of the colonial age and therefore having every predisposition to hate the Aboriginal people, this is the annoying thing because you can still see there are still uh, colonial overtones to this term that he used, but he, he said noble savages. That's what he referred to, uh, referred to the Aboriginal people as, which I know sounds absolutely horrible, and it's still, it is absolutely horrible, but even somebody with all of the cultural de uh, predisposition to hate and look down on some on people just goes, you guys are doing it partly right. Your yeah. morals are together. Yeah. Um, now, but sorry, you go ahead. No, it's fine. Uh, Aborigines, um, they're a bit different to... to um, what's the term that I'm looking for here? They're a bit different to isolated structures that you see around the globe in that they are possibly the most isolated um, up until the beginning of the, the uh, 19th century or the 18th uh, no, the 20th century when they were colonized. Now, um, in order to better understand how science has got the Aborigines wrong, not even science, historians have got the Abor Aborigines wrong, you need to understand, like, the, so historians say that the Aborigines came across um, to Australia in tiny little canoes through Indonesia, right? Now, on their way through Indonesia, they would have had to have, for a start, they would have had to have crossed the cyclone belt in tiny canoes. Um, Is that, would that have been impossible? Like, maybe, I'm assuming the fact that it's called the cyclone belt is not a good... It's, it's um, hardly Bora Bora. Okay. It's not sunshine and dolphins. <laughs> right, it's not As a matter of fact, river. interesting story. Um, one of the um, the premiers of Australia, he's called Premier over there, not Prime Minister, um, one of the premiers of Australia, whilst they were um, in power, they had a boatload of Vietnamese turn up on their shore. And huh? they went, all right, I'm not sending you home, but you can't come into Australia. What I will do is I'll give you this little island you can have that, it's yours. We'll give you clothing, we'll give you food, you can have that island. You want to come to Australia, that's your home. And they go, fantastic. And they get to this island, and they realise that this island is smack bang in the middle of the cyclone belt, and they scream human rights and everything else, and the, the Premier goes, you know what, if you don't like it, there's a warship there, jump on, they'll take you home. And I thought that was possibly one of the best ways that Australia ever dealt with immigrants. Normally, Australia are what some of the most obnoxious when it comes to immigration, especially given the fact that the populace of Australia are immigrants. <laughs> it just makes it's, me chuckle. But it, it, it is frustrating. Like, I remember if you watch Australian border control programs, if you watched any of that trash sort of TV when you got in, um, from school or anything like that, you do find yourself after a while genuine. Look, I I stopped watching it years and years and years ago, but like you do just end up feeling sorry for the people. Like they they were shaking down this student 
because she'd brought some of her mother's curry yeah into the country and it's just yeah. like dude I, I i get it i get it you've had ecological disasters because us ignorant white men have screwed up on a number of occasions and i i understand you want to defend both the ecology but also the local business practices yeah but this is this is somebody just taking some food over a border which was prepared for by their family this isn't like this isn't a a malvolent attack on a country's culture or ecosystem it's just a young woman who didn't know the rules and has brought some stuff that was made by their family and it's just that i'm going to be honest with you their entire handling of it just made me go i'm not watching this anymore yeah yeah absolutely um so aborigines obviously lived in australia um for a for a very very long time thousands of years um now Given the fact that historians say that Australians, or Aborigines rather, came across from Indone uh, Indonesia to Australia, mm. who do you, do you have any idea who um, their closest genetic cousin is? Right, so I would assume, from what you've just said there, it would be the most Islamic country in the world is uh, Indonesia. That they would, genetically, it would be that people group. So you think Indonesians, right? Yeah, right. Or Which from, inter from what you've said. Asians, yeah? Yes, yeah, if we're going, if, if we're going broad. If, yeah, follow it, if, follow, if you follow it back in history, obviously Indonesia was populated by Asia, right? Yeah. So, why is their closest genetic cousin... Africans. That's a long way now, to walk. You see, that is a long way to walk, but I can imagine there are migrations of people groups. Yep. So I'm not... I'm not as surprised. Like, the one that, the one that would have really surprised me is if you had have said South Americans... You know? Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, now, I want to just give you a bit of scope, because I, I mentioned Gondwana before. Um, now, Gondwana is a supercontinent which separated over a period of 400 million years. Okay, now, Gondwana um, would have made Africa and Australia connected by a land bridge of Antarctica. Okay? Mm. So it would have gone Africa, Antarctica, Australia, all as one landmass with um, with Asia above it, right? Um, which slowly separated. However, Australia settled into the position that it is today about 100 million years ago, they reckon. So given that like humans have been on the planet for 2 million years, you can't really say that there was a land bridge for them to migrate across. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Africans 
haven't been known as like globally um, traveling seafaring folk throughout history have they not widely no no so given that aborigines closest cousins are africans and the africans would have had to have walked if we're to believe what modern day historians say all the way through asia through india um, sorry through india through asia and then through indonesia into australia in tiny little canoes um like it it's a bit far-fetched yeah it's a bit far-fetched like it's almost hard to believe um yeah yeah it's like the idea that um uh, i shouldn't be picking on any particular group but um the one that came to mind was the idea that in the book of mormon that uh ancient jews uh built boats and sailed to america yeah. like it's it's not impossible it's just unlikely yeah bear in really mind unlikely. that these that these boats that they traveled across indonesia in they 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 traveled there 40,000 years ago 40 to 50,000 years ago mm. so like hunter gatherers built ships or boats sorry canoes um, seaworthy enough to travel across Indonesia 40 to 50,000 years ago before the Vikings attacked England or travelled around the world. Now Vikings were probably the most predominant earliest race to start travelling the seas um, and yeah here's some Africans doing it beforehand um, now civilizations you've got to be thinking at this point i start thinking okay so what evidence is there of ancient civilizations we got you we mean like pre uh pre extinction event yeah yeah pre extinction like right, okay so then you have to start looking to the world of myth mythology right mm. um and of course the most commonly known one is the myth of atlantis um atlantis uh, first mention I'm going to by... be honest with you if you had a city on the sea a mile high wave would be a problem yeah I mean it was actually seven cities on seven different islands from oh, really? what Plato says um, mm. ruled by seven different kings all brothers with one high king um, but Plato says this and he says that he learnt this through his teacher who learnt it through the books that were stored in the Great Library of Alexandria in Egypt. Um, Lemuria is another supercontinent that is thought to be uh, mythical, um, but there's evidence of the existence of Lemuria off the coast of Bermuda um, with the Bimini Road, um, a road which is quite clearly man-made and yet seems to travel off into the ocean um, under the sea. It just it baffles me and then of course you've got um, Egypt now Egypt is probably the best example of reasons why you cannot believe mainstream historians when it comes to human history um, and we're gonna go over this in a second but I just want to say as well um, you said about South um, South Americans 
with their um, you'd be more surprised if South Americans had migrated to um, Australia yeah so yeah. what about if Africans had migrated to South America I mean we... it's less than the width of uh, it's less than the width of Brazil but that's just the size of Brazil um, that's the fact that that's a massive country uh, which takes up most of a continent rather than the fact that it's uh, a short distance on sea. It's not a short distance on sea. And if you get the, the angle of your sailing very slightly wrong, you then, you're not just a couple of days off course, you're several weeks off course and you might very well die. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't... so the Mayans have statues, um, Mayan heads, that you can look up on Google, um, and a number of them quite clearly depict um, non-South American looking bone structures in their faces. Something that you could mm -hmm. almost say is very African looking. Yeah. And they made statues of them, because that's what you do when you're surrounded by them, right? Yeah. I don't think they were surrounded by them is the point I'm trying to get to. That's why they made statues of them because they were a being that or a few beings that landed on their shores that were advanced and therefore got idolized and deified into stone. Um interestingly, a lot of Egyptian statues, their facial structures in these Egyptian statues, there's a couple of prevalent features. If you manage to find a statue that is not defaced, then the faces of these statues look African. Which makes sense. Egypt is on the on the, the northeastern edge of Africa. Of course. Why wouldn't it be? But it's the fact that if you look at Egyptian people now, they don't resemble Africans. They resemble Arabians or mm. Middle Easterns. Yeah? yeah. Um, and as I said, other Egyptian statues, the, like there's a repeated pattern that happens across Egyptian statues where the nose is hewn off and defaced. Most likely because an Egyptian's um, and an African's nose is very broad, and very it makes it very apparent that that's not a Western human. That is a African human. Um, why were they trying to hide that if they weren't trying to mask history? Um, so. Like I said, there's there's evidence that things aren't the way that we, we think they are. There's evidence of, um, there's at least mythological evidence of ancient civilizations, um, which people take for granted. And if you start mentioning that Atlantis, you start to get into the realms of being told that, oh, no, 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 it was, ju it was just created as a fable. It was created for humans not to get too comfortable with their with their world and not to not to grow too quickly. Not that we listened to that fable, by the point. Um, yeah, I, f I think the problem here seems to be the one, or the one that you're 
alluding to here is the difference between and i guess what this what this talk is is pointing or beginning to step towards is the not just the the difference between fact and opinion but by the sort the credibility of source of information of whether something is recorded history and considered fact recorded history and considered legend or recorded allegory or story and considered myth yeah and it's what what your frustration seems to be here is that you're referring to physical archaeological items and yet unlike un okay i i, I love science i think Science has done a lot. Technology does a lot. I would not be alive if it wasn't for both, in my mind, the grace of God and science and the fact that uh, I live in an age where medical uh, treatment is available. All of science, though, is best guess. It's yep. best guess by proved by several, by not several... It's best guessed by incredibly smart people at the time building on the best knowledge that they had available, which could be countless, you know, near countless generations of incredibly smart people before them. But it is still best guess. Yeah. What, what we have of recorded history... Now, yes, there are some texts where it is, like even in the Bible, like Jesus walked into Samaria. You, you know, if there's there's a line in the Bible which is that, you can't really go, oh, well, what does that really mean? It, no, yeah, it, it, literally, it's literally, it it's, literally it's literally, yeah, ex exactly. Bethlehem, Judea, and walked desert, into Samaria. Yeah. Strolled across the right. desert into, yeah. Yeah, and like, I get it. There are there are texts where it is down to translation where it is down to supposed where it is down to yeah where it is where it is where it is down to individual uh perspective perspective and indig individual uh interpretation but what your frustration here seems to be nick is that you are frustrated by what is considered to be historical fact in that the idea that the agricultural revolution um when did it say two two hundred thousand or was it agricultural revolutions uh, apparently started six thousand years ago yeah the idea that it happened six thousand years ago and the idea that we have existed in our current mental state for 200,000 years ago so what you what your frustration here and it seems to be what you're, you're you're saying here is a fair argument there must be more to the story than we spent 294,000 years fucking it up and not creating anything yeah, and I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't swear because that's probably undermined the whole intellectual 
validity of the argument here but that seems to be what you're what you're suggesting yeah 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 absolutely and i think i think if you look if you look to egypt you can start to see evidence that um technologies did exist okay um for example let's just look at the pyramids for one yeah the pyramids were created and even now there is no concrete evidence for how they were created because we don't understand it we cannot understand how they were built and if you think the way that modern historians explain it is that those stones were carved by copper tools and dragged by sheer will and manpower into place over a Some period people of say 20 they were years. they were floated a long way from the quarry but that doesn't yeah. that doesn't explain the it doesn't explain the vertical element like no, it explains it how they how they moved the stones there it doesn't explain how you moved it several hundred feet in the air like i yeah sorry yeah you, it doesn't go. it I'm doesn't make sense much. like and the fact that you don't know how doesn't mean you're an idiot so just put your hands up and say i don't know that's okay but what you can't do is go well only copper existed at the time so they had to use copper let me tell you something okay if i had a hammer that i had no idea how to use it i didn't have any need to use it i wouldn't keep it as an ancient relic if what i needed at the time was a shovel i would melt it down and make a shovel Now, some of the materials that we use today in machinery um, are some of the most precious on the planet, and they're not renewable. So it makes sense that they would be recycled if they weren't just lost in a cataclysm. It makes sense that they would be turned into something that was useful at that time, and therefore there wouldn't be evidence of it. Copper isn't incredibly useful when it comes to being a tool because it's incredibly soft. It's good for pipes, it's good for wire, but it's not overly yeah. good as a hammer. So it stands to reason that there comes a point where copper's use is outgrown and you start to look to the harder materials. And then you have to start recycling some of the the, the materials that exist already maybe hypothetically like technologies that existed that you have no more idea how to use the reason i say this is if you look at some of the sculptures and some of the objects the artifacts in egypt right the best quality artifacts are the oldest artifacts which makes no sense if human evolution is to be believed the way that it is yeah there are objects which were investigated by a bloke called um, Petrie, who is a scientist that looked at, with open eyes, looked at, um, he was an engineer actually, that investigated a lot of the uh, Egyptian artifacts. And even he says, we cannot do this now. Um, and that was, yes, okay, that was 1920. But even now, like the granite that are in some of these stone vases is paper thin. You can't do that 
even with laser now you would end up burning a hole in the granite you cannot make artifacts that are so perfectly carved they've been put under um, radar and, and laser scanning and some of the points of symmetry in these artifacts are perfect beyond the level that we can get with technology that we have now and these are just vases and you might think okay like like we discussed before some of these vases you might think okay that was that was a hundred years of a man's life that he poured into that vase to get perfect but there are thousands of them that are just as perfect from the first dynasty and then you look at the second dynasty artifacts and they're made of alabaster which is really stark really really uh, soft material and not granite which is I think one step lower in the scale of hardness than diamond um, you start to think what did they do they just like have major concussion and lose all of the skills that they had before or did they did the people that had the skills die out um, you there's evidence of it in there's a place in there's a place called uh, Baalbek I think we discussed this before as well. Baalbek is uh, also known as the Temple of Jupiter to the Romans. Um, it's a massive temple um, which was burnt to the ground and rebuilt by the by the uh, by the Romans. In the foundations of the Temple of Jupiter or of Baalbek, there are some stones that are placed in the foundations. There are stones below them and there are stones above them. Now these stones weigh 800 tons. We can't move those now. It's not physically possible, even with the technology we have now, to move stones that big. There's a stone which was partially carved that is on its way out of the quarry that is 1,200 tons. There's even a stone below that which is thought to be 2,000 tons that they were, they were working on to move. And they were able to do that. So the thought that we are the most advanced we have ever been is, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's almost arrogant when you look at the evidence of the intelligence that existed before. Most likely what happened was civilization reset and that knowledge was lost with it. I mean, what happened to the Great Library of Alexandria? it burnt to the ground like the great uh, library of Babylon yeah, it was burnt to the ground by the Romans at the end of Cleopatra's reign at the end of the Egyptians even the Egyptians say that they are a legacy race there is the wall of kings in Egypt which is a um, a wall which scriptures each of the pharaohs back in history and they go back to the first dynasty and before and the, the kings that existed before were said to have reigned for over a hundred years each some sometimes even even longer more insurmountable lengths of time which historians say is physically impossible because we don't there's no proof that humans existed for that long just because you can't understand it doesn't mean it's not right and there is no reason for them to have lied on that wall. Given the fact that everything else the Egyptians wrote down historically was accurate to a degree, you have to think 
why would they start writing lies in their history? It doesn't make sense. So once again, you have to go, just because you don't understand it, doesn't mean it's not real. And it's the same when you look at things like um, Stonehenge. Okay, people say that Merlin built it. Merlin floated these stones into place. Once again, just because you don't understand it, doesn't mean it's not real. Let's stop treating mythology like it's some fairy tale that we tell our kids and start thinking maybe there is an element of truth in it. Maybe it's not all true. Chinese Whispers is an incredible thing. It's a game I used to play as a kid and you can tell just in Chinese Whispers how history changes over time. But we're not naive. We as people are not naive and we shouldn't be naive to the possibility that what we think is wrong. Because otherwise you close your mind to possible revelations, possible advancement. All I ever seek to do is be smarter. All I ever want to do is know more. And I've had to eat my hat a few times, gone through quite a few hats, um, because what I believed was wrong. And this may be another one of those occasions where what I believe is wrong, but at least I'm open to that. You confront a historian with this kind of argument and you get shut down because they cannot bear the thought of being wrong. I can't. It's what they've. It's what they've studied. It's what they've. They've been told that what. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to even talk like this, as I know that. Uh, yeah, the group that uh, I now represent with my own beliefs has hardly got a good history of this, but. Yeah, if you believe one exclusatory thing to be fact, it does mean that your mind is closed or you are unable to fully conceive other possibilities as truth. Which, unfortunately, in... I don't know, uh, a lot of people um, would then say that agnostic is the most is the best way to be because it simply is the admission that you don't know and you're not willing to put your your faithfully behind something but it is when somebody studies something for an extended period of time you do get a dedication that comes from the sacrifice of learning this one thing mm-hmm. and there you know? is pride and it... in it and there is there is a certain uh, esteem that you build for yourself and it's a horrible thing to have to face the revelation of that being taken away. Mm. Yeah. It's understandable. Absolutely understandable. But I think it's almost exhilarating. It's almost exciting to comprehend the fact that we've now got 294,000 years worth of history to write. To look back with open eyes and go, what are the possibilities of things that could have happened? Oh, rather than 6,000. Exactly. Yeah. 
you know what we know what happened over the last 6,000 years, at least reasonably, more factually than we know what happened in the last 294,000 years before that. But let's stop shutting down mythologi mythological tales of of gods walking with with humans, and let's stop shutting down tales of of like floating cities. Floating cities. Let's stop shutting down tales of of cities that lived in uh, lived in oceans in concentric circles, and and seafaring civilizations that travelled the entire globe before we even knew what boats were. You know, in the his in the Hindu texts, there's a book called uh, the Mahabharata, and within the Mahabharata, there is ancient wars, monumental wars, of spaceship-faring folk that were like gods floating around in the sky in spaceships, blowing the crap out of each other. the thought that that could possibly be an actual historic account of an event is exciting. It's not terrifying. We know they haven't been around for the last 6,000 years because we've been here and we've witnessed it. However, mm. the fact that they could have been around, the fact that these craft could have visited the planet and interacted with humans at some point in our history, that's exciting. Anyway, hmm. <laughs> I feel like um, I'm going to get off my soapbox before I fall off it. Um, and yeah, I, I just want to go back over um, the saying that I keep telling myself, um, which is, to know where you're going, you must first understand where you've been. It's okay to look backwards and go, I ain't got a clue. It's okay to look back and go, you know what? I'm going to try with an open mind to find out. I'm gonna What's look... going on here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because I want to find out what, what kind of things we could learn. The fact that mm. they were able to move 800 ton stones into temples. That's exciting. How did they do it? Let's look at things with an open mind and see if we can it work out. it out. If we are not as smart as we were, let's try and find out how. Because I can say this for now, we almost definitely have developed technologies that have never existed on this planet. But we also haven't developed technologies or skills which have existed. And that leaves a whole world of advancement and, and, and investigation and revelations that are left to us. We don't have to continue down this road of, of overconsumption of stagnation, we can branch out into completely different fields of expertise in order to continue to develop. That 
That sounds pretty exciting to me. It's an, it's an amazing thing to consider. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for the research. Uh, thank you very much for the... Yeah, for the, the the sharing of knowledge and the the challenge of what we consider uh, knowledge and the challenge of what we consider truth. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for listening, uh, listeners, and we'll yeah we'll be coming up with uh, another podcast in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much, guys. You take care. It's bye from me. Yeah, it's bye from me.